What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we cover everything going on in the Stacks ecosystem. I am your host, Jake Blockchain. You'll see me around as that name pretty much everywhere online. And if you haven't noticed, it's a down market right now, maybe full bear market. I don't even know when you draw that distinction. But that means that people are heads down working. And my guest today is no exception. My guest is Dr. John Ennis. And John and his team are building a company called NeoSwap, currently in the Stacks Accelerator. Uh, you may have seen some snippets about them. You might have attended one of their NeoSwap parties. Super good if you haven't been to one yet. Uh, it really helps you grok the idea. But they're trying to, their ultimate goal is to just expand the economy and make a lot more trades, much more efficient, so we can just transact better overall. And they're starting with NFTs, but they have a big vision. And we cover a lot about what their overall idea is, how does AI come into play, uh, his backstory. We cover some really interesting angles around non-fungibility I've never heard before, because we, we, we kind of understand what that word means, where something that's non-fungible can't be replaced for another like item. Um, and so a dollar bill is fungible, but typically a car is not. Um, but he put it into perspective of the world and how we perceive the world by default is through a lens of non-fungibility, of uh, resources being scarce. And he lays it out so beautifully. I hadn't heard that before, and I thought that was, for me, one of the most thought-provoking uh, and eye-opening insights. So super smart dude, uh, fascinating conversation, and I think what they're building really, really, really could be game-changing. And I know I say that a lot, and everyone thinks that, but this might be the one. So anyways, let me not ramble too much longer, and let's jump into this conversation with Dr. John Ennis from NeoSwap. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. John, Dr. John Ennis. How you doing there, my friend? Yeah, doing all right. Thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure to have you. You first came to fame, first doctor on the show. So that's that's a big one. Yeah, Take right. that. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't been on the show yet? Not yet. He's he's okay. He's been ducking me. He's on my list. I've been in his emails, talking to his executive assistant, but it hasn't quite happened yet. So you beat him to the punch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you snooze, you lose. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You lost, you lost opportunity, Benib. Uh but yeah, I think people have been seeing your name pop up. What you're building is super interesting. Uh, the first time I saw you guys was those little GIF things you guys have been putting out. Yeah. It just looks, it just looks like a hot mess, um, a beautiful hot mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's then, actually very orderly, but yes, okay. Yeah, in, in the grand scheme of things. And then I was at Miami uh, Bitcoin Unleashed and just at one yeah. of the parties, and your name kept getting dropped as like, have you seen what, what Neoshop is doing? Like, it's super interesting. And so that yeah. was just kind of like, you know, when, when someone influential like talks in your ear, you're like, okay, cool. That's, that's one more data point where I got to get John on the podcast. And before we dive into what you're really, what you're, what you're building, I'd love to just get a brief background for people that don't know you of mm -hmm. your background before crypto. Okay. 
Yeah, well, I'm a mathematician. My PhD is in math. I did my postdoc in computational neuroscience, and that was in the early 2000s, uh, UC Santa Barbara, in Greg Ashby's lab. So we were doing neurobiologically motivated neural networks, so spiking neural networks, where the architecture was motivated by the brain structure. Uh, it was very interesting. I mean, it, it, it's funny. Nowadays, that would be called an AI, you know, um, like an AI postdoc, but it was computational neuroscience. Then I became a market research consultant, you know, kind of my background in psychology, because the, the computational neuroscience was within a psychology department, right? So that meant that I had a kind of behavioral psychology training. I had the mathematics, the AI. So I went into market research. And I did that for 15 years. Um, the last three and a half years as a market research consultant, I had my own, I still actually have my own company, Agora, which does AI services for food and beverage companies. So that's a successful company. Uh, I think in June, we'll have 15 employees. So that's like a nice, healthy company. Um, but the thing is, in the background, I've always been working on this other problem, which is the problem of finding best multi-way trades in a group. And that problem goes back to my childhood, where my parents... Well, actually, my dad is a famous scientist, and he's kind of a strange person, to be honest, but he is um, a very smart person. He likes to do experiments on his children. And so he got this idea that they would buy all the Christmas presents, wrap them up, and then put them in a box labeled surprise. And then on Christmas, us kids would have to pick the presents at random, unwrap them. And if we didn't like what we got, we would trade with the other kids. Okay? It's kind of funny because that's a lot like an NFT mint, just by, as luck would have it. And when you think about minting in, like you, you wait until the day of the mint, right? It's like waiting for Christmas and then it happens and you mint, and you get your item and you get them at random. It's really weird how similar that is. Um, so I, I remember when I was 12, I was working on this problem of like, how do you work out these best trades? Because I had something, it was, I was, there was a situation where my sister had like a Lego that I wanted, but I didn't have anything she wanted. So then I had a game my brother wanted. And he didn't have anything that I wanted. So it was like trying to figure out this trade where like, how can we work it out? Where I'll give you this and you give me, you give more in that. And then Maureen gives me this, you know, trying to get people to do this, this multi-way trade. And as a child, it wasn't really very successful. I mean, I don't think <laughs> there were a bunch of reasons why that didn't work, <laughs> but at least the idea was in my head. And then in 2017, I kind of revisited the problem. And at that point I was a professional mathematician, so I had a lot more skill. And so I was able to correctly formulate the problem and solve it in a reasonable way. It turns out to be an NP-hard problem. I don't know how much you know about theory of computation, but the idea is that actually as the size of the group grows, that problem takes exponentially more time to solve, that it becomes very, very hard to find. Uh, so you have to get efficient solutions and you have to do all sorts of tricks to like tame it. You're not going to just get, um, you're not going to get a solution for a very large group. You have to do all sorts of tricks. But for a mod for 50 people or less, you can actually get solutions very quickly. Um, so I remember them, I, worked on different things. Last year, Igora was doing really well. And so I took the director of technology and our head of AI from Igora. And I said, guys, let's work on this. Let's work on this problem. I've always kind of wanted to work on it. Let's work on it. And so we started working on it. And Kuba is our CTO. He's the head of AI. He's got a master's in theoretical physics, extremely smart person. Uh, he was, you know, was really on board with the algorithms, helped me to like refine them. Hamza is our director of technology. He's like a 10X developer. Hamza is the sort of guy where if you say, Hamza, I need some code to solve this problem, he'll come back and he'll have like built a dashboard that automatically generates code that solves any similar problem. <laughs> so anybody, like no code solution to solve the whole category of problems, he's that sort of person. So we worked on it. And around that time, I was discovering stacks as well. That's something else that was happening. Okay. So this was like spring of last year when stacks was just doing their launch. 
Um, so it all just kind of came together. And I said, well, let's do this on Stacks. I was, I was thinking about building on Ethereum at the beginning, but it's just like the gas fees were so expensive and it was such a huge ocean. There were like so many different apps doing so many different things. It just didn't feel like there was any like entry point, you know, it was just, it felt like this giant ocean. Whereas Stacks, like small community, super enthusiastic. The tools were great. I have to say like, compliment, we talked about Manib, compliments to Manib and the team. They've done a great job. And I really think Clarity is a much superior language to then Solidity for programming smart contracts. So we started doing it on, on stacks and it was great. We had like so many people giving us feedback from the beginning. We were showing people what we were building. People were getting really excited. Uh, and then I gradually got to know people, you know, close to, I guess the core of stacks, you know, you've got like, um, for example, Trevor, Kyle and Andrea at, at stacks ventures. Now I started to meet these people and they started telling me about the accelerator. And so we applied for the accelerator. We got in and, you know, it's really it totally turbocharged our progress. I love it. Um, it's funny. You mentioned, like for myself, part of the the beauty of this podcast are one of my, um, you know, olden ways that happened to turn to a superpower is that mm. I used to be undersized as a child. And so mm. I got really good at my words. I, I could always cut you down with my language. And so I was, I was a decent debater usually taking the devil's advocate side, whatever you said, I just take the opposite. And I just, I just try, try and attack that. And your dad doing this kind of like surprise gift thing was like the one little seed that was planted that potentially, because we'll talk more about Neosoft as we go down, but like it has huge, huge implications for the market and, mm-hmm. and just how we trade in general. Um, do you, what was his motivations for, for doing that? Do you, do you, did you ever ask that? Self-amusement, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's like any creative person does weird things just to do them, you know, like, yeah, my family is full of weird people. So, <laughs> you know, like my great grandfather was one of, um, you know, some small, like there were, I don't know how much about the history of Ireland, but um, yeah, well, you know, Ireland used to be occupied by England, right? And the North, North of Ireland still is. But there was the Easter Rising in the early 1900s. I think it was 1917. Um, my uh, great-grandfather was one of like 200 guys who tried to overthrow the English government. And uh, it was an incredibly stupid thing to do. There was no chance of success. But, <laughs> but he got mixed up in that. So anyway, I come from a long line of people <laughs> doing things they probably shouldn't do. So uh, that was, um, yeah. So, But Neoswap will be revolutionary as well. In its own, hopefully more peaceful. Sure, um, sure, sure. Um, okay, so yeah. before we jump into Neoswap, there's a lot to talk about. But um, when I was doing some research, the word kept coming up: sensory and c- consumer science. Oh yeah, yeah. And I love just to just and when I hear that, I've read something in a while back where they were talking about how like they would sit people in a movie theater and they'd have like electrodes on them. I think they were they were measuring HRV. It's so like the beats in between, right, right, in, the, right. in between your beats. Yeah. And then they make you watch a commercial and depending on your HRV, they could, they could determine within like a certain variance, how likely you were to buy Pepsi over Coke or whatever it is. Is that kind of that same kind of like field of st- stuff that you were doing? Well, this was the branch of market research that I got involved in. So sensory science is the science of taste and smell and touch. Okay. I mean, it's really the science of sensation. Life is lived through the senses. So Sensory science is the science of the experience of life. It's really a fascinating field, honestly. And it's very important now with Web3 
and metaverse coming because we're like the metaverse. There's lots of different definitions. I would define med, the, the big M metaverse as just the extended reality that we're all going to be living in, where you have this augmented reality that we live in full time. It's not like you put on your, like there's going to be, you know, like a dial of how digital, how physical will the world be, right? But the world itself will have a level of augmentation more or less all the time, right? We're in a metaverse right now. Like you're not, you're like, we're in a, it's a metaverse light. And right now it's been focused on, because communication technology is so well suited to sight and sound, right? Because they're both waves. So you can do a lot of compression. You know, it, there's a lot of data compression algorithms that work well for sight and sound. That's why UX is focused on sight and sound. But increasingly, you're going to need the chemical senses, taste and smell. And you'll also need some tactile experience in order for this like enriched world to be like fully realized. So sensory science will become very relevant to the metaverse. And actually, Apple is hiring sensory scientists. Amazon is now hiring sensory scientists. Um, so there is a merger of UX and sensory going on. For consumer science, I would say that's like just the study of consumer behavior, which what I was interested in was how does the sensory experience of products impact the consumer behavior? So that was the sort of thing I was working on. Got it. Okay. Interesting. I, that was, mo- that was pending for my own selfish desires. I, I found that super, super. Well, it's, you know what? Food companies are getting really interested in the metaverse and Igora is using like web three technology, my other company. And um, we do have fortune 500 clients that are interested in, you know, what, what should, what should their NFT collection be like? Not just so that it's, you know, cool, but so that it's compatible with the product that it's supposed to represent. Like, how do you make an NFT that's compatible with the taste of Pepsi? Like, that's an interesting question. So that's that stuff's coming. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. I'm not saying um, that we necessarily work with Pepsi, by the way. I just said that because you said it. But that's the sort yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. Okay. Um, awesome. Well, I'd love to just, it's going to be a, a slight, you know, jarring segue, but what you're building. So you've touched on a little bit, you know, multi-way trades. The current marketplace interfaces is just like you post it. You hope someone buys it for that price. Maybe they have a bidding option. Maybe they have an auction option. And that's kind of the extent of it currently. And so uh, you guys are bringing a whole new element to it using AI yeah. and multi-way trades. I'd love to just explore that. Yeah, it's a complete step change in efficiency for these trades. Well, because for one thing, suppose you have an item that you are willing to part with, okay? Well, you might put it on the market and... Never sell it. 65% of the NFTs on secondary market never sell. I don't know if you know that or not, but if you've ever tried to sell an NFT, you know the chance it's going to sell is pretty small, right? I mean, yeah, you can dump it at the floor price, but for the most part, you're probably not going to sell it. Um, so there's that. And actually, that's, and there's 5 billion a month in NFT like trading volume happening. So there's a huge unlocked source there where you know all this stuff could move and it's not moving. You, you also probably had the experience of minting an NFT and being disappointed where you like the project, but you don't particularly care for the NFT you got. Right. And what's kind of funny is there's other people in the project who feel the same way, except the NFT they got is one you'd really like. And if you could just match it up, then everyone benefits. So that's right away. an application that's very much like the surprise box where everybody gets an item and nobody likes their item. But if you can figure out a smart way to rearrange them, then everybody's happy. So that's the kind of thing that we're, that we're doing. Okay. And, th- and those are huge numbers. You can just, you can, as you hear them, they just sound crazy. 65% unsold. And we've all felt that. And you, and you do, you do feel too, like a lot of floor prices, 
those aren't real floor prices. Like those aren't even liquid. Those aren't even the price you can liquidly sell it at either for some of these collections. So it's even maybe even even harder than that. And five billion monthly. So you mm-hmm. just put those two together, it opens up a a huge unlock. But what what is that? What does that look like then? So if I'm if I have my basket of goods and they're sitting in my hero wallet, uh, right. h- how do you go about using this? Yeah, so we'll do a demo for you in just a minute. Hamza and Kubar just wrapping something up, and they'll join us for a demo. We can show everybody. But the basic idea is you get you get together a group of people, right? And this can happen. It could just be you and me in Discord, and we say, hey, let's do a neo swap room. And so we go and do a neo swap room. We're actually working with Drew from Friends on a bot, a neo swap bot, in you know that would sit inside the Friends toolkit where you do slash neo swap. And it would open a room and you and I could go into it. And if there's anybody else there, they can join us and we can do a trade. Because actually, mm-hmm. even if, if you and I were just the two of us trying to work out a trade in Discord, right? Already, it wouldn't be clear what a good trade is. I mean, I can sort of say, well, I'll give you this, you give me that. But is that fair? Maybe you like the thing that I gave you more than I like the thing you gave me, right? Maybe we both are better off, but is that really fair? Maybe there should be some value. Um, so what you do is you bring people together. You Take the items that you're willing to sell. You set the reserve prices. That's the minimum you're willing to sell them for, right? Once everybody does that, then you go to the next stage where you can see everybody's items together with the price. You pick the ones you want to bid on. And if you really like it, you can increase the bid, okay? Then in the last step, you set your budget because you're going to sell some items and you're going to buy some items. If there's a difference, you'll have to pay that difference, okay? So that difference won't exceed your budget. No matter how, and no matter how fancy the trade is, you won't overspend. So maybe you've had the experience you go to a silent auction and you like hold back on bidding because you're afraid you're going to win everything you bid on. So you only bid on a few items. You don't have to worry about that in this way of doing commerce. You just bid on everything you like and then we're going to take care of it. You're not going to overspend. One way to think of it is a decentrally planned economy. That's one way to say it. Um, I mean, there's elements of what communism is supposed to do mixed together with what what capitalism actually does that like the, you know, the idea that we all can benefit by cooperating. That's like this, you know, that's, that's what communism is supposed to do, although it never actually does that. Um, But the spirit of it, that we can get together and cooperate and we'll benefit that comes together, but it happens in a capitalistic framework here. So that we actually, it actually works. So it's a new way of doing commerce. Okay. Hmm. I I love that analogy, but I, don't know enough really about communism or capitalism to give myself leeway to to oh, okay. go, to go yeah. down that. Yeah. Uh, there's something there though, whether it's like the the free hand and in like individual expression and in the free market and central planning, which there's is kind a, of yeah. like the AI is that central planner, but done more properly and not with the kind of like grubby hands of humans getting in the middle of it. <laughs> the abuse of power. <laughs> exactly. That's that's super interesting. Okay. Um, and you're starting with NFTs, and those, those seem like low-hanging fruit. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but for one, NFTs mostly are still it's random art pieces. And if you're not in the community, there's still this big question of like, well, how valuable really are they? It's just a profile right. picture. Um, so for the broader, you know, this, this seems like big tech, but for people who are either haven't grokked crypto yet or um you know, I'm just curious about the broader implications, like going forward, digital assets seem very, uh, you know, this is a perfect fit for it. Is there something broad down the line? Like how big do you see this market that you guys can potentially tap into? Yeah, well, I see it as doubling the global GDP. That's what I think will happen in the long, long run. That Neo Barter will take all of these used goods 
that are currently wasted. All of this, there's so much waste in the 70% of high fashion ends up in landfills. I don't know if you know that or not, but it's um, there's in supply chain, there's tons of waste. Things don't go where they're supposed to go. That eventually this, now I'm not saying Neospop itself will be, you know, like we will be having, you know, a large impact, but Neobarter tools happening everywhere behind the scenes, especially when you think about internet of things, you've got edge computing. These tools are going to be constantly doing a sort of load balancing and they'll be dramatically improving the efficiency of the world economy. So that's the big vision. So we start with NFTs and it is true that more and more of the world is having its ownership recorded on NFTs, right? The use cases for NFTs keep expanding. So the NFT side of the equation will expand. Plus if you have digital, but you just have a central database that records ownership. Okay. You can still do this with a centralized database. Now you lose some of the beauty where in a web three format, you know, property rights are like first and foremost. So people can plug in their wallets, they bring their things, they have their things with them, they bring their things, they do the trade, the smart contract reassigns the ownership and then they leave. That's very, very beautiful, right? It's like a perfect application for Neobart, right? But then when you go to, um, you could be on eBay or Amazon or something, some sort of web two or Airbnb, where um, you could be listing your apartment and you say, okay, I'm willing to rent out my apartment for the weekend for these prices. And then you go and you bid on other people's apartments and we're going to go ahead and just move around that you, you stay at my apartment, I stay at yours and, uh, you know, and so on. And there's, we work out these exchanges and there's some small amount of money. And what happens is we're all able to stay at each other's apartments. We don't need a lot of money to do it. So it's just much more efficient economy. So whenever you have a market, you're going to be able to get this extra benefit. I mean, the, the sharing like Uber, Airbnb, they've already started to tap into these ideas with the sharing economy, but now we're going to go all the way and we're going to reduce the need for money in these environments. Right. And then of course, physical world, when you talk about eBay or any kind of the free cycle movement, free cycle on Facebook, those Facebook groups are exploding. I, th I think I read somewhere there by like a factor of 12 in the last few years. Or something. You want to check that number, but, but Facebook free cycle groups are becoming one of the main uses of Facebook where people have stuff they're trying to give away. My wife is on, you know, those free cycle groups all the time. Um, so, and the thing is, even like most people have furniture that if someone would just come get it, they would give it away. But the trouble is no one knows where it should go. Right. But if you had it with advances in computer vision and some of the machine learning for labeling things, and now you've got LIDAR scanning where you can, you know, you, you can scan furniture with your phone in such a way that somebody else can do a 3d AR replication of that piece of furniture in their house. Once those technologies all come together, what will happen is people will be able to inventory pretty much everything in their house. And then they can set, you know, some, there can be some radius, some like geographic, like some local community where everybody records all their stuff. They set the prices they'd be willing to sell for. Every now and then you basically go shopping locally. And over time, we'll learn what you like so we can recommend things to you. But you bid on your neighbor's items. And then on Sunday, there's like a get together and everybody trades their items. So that would be like a big boon to efficiency. So the thing is, there's so much friction in the physical world. It's the wrong place to start. So the right place to start is NFTs. Let's get the form factor down. Let's get all the technology perfect. Get the AI behind the scenes running smoothly. Then go to digital, then go to physical. And when it's all said and done, there'll be this dramatic release of value and a big improvement in sustainability. So that's the big vision. Perfect. I love the way I first asked the question. You just came right in with doubling the GDP of the economy. It's like, <laughs> that, that, that is a bold ass statement, but yeah. you say it unflinchingly, like you, you 100% believe that, Yeah. which I, which I love. I'm so glad that people like you are building this. Well, here's the proof, Jake. So 
about half, you know, if you take the thrift store statistic, half of the things that go into thrift stores get never get used again, right? If you take it as granted that half of things that could be used again don't get used, whether you're talking about resources, raw materials, whatever, okay, then that means you start off, okay, you have the global GDP, right? Now let's imagine half of it is being wasted, right? Then you have to remember if half of that stuff got used again, potentially, now some of the stuff get, you're talking about non-renewable things like oil or whatever, oil, you know, make it burn off. But if you're talking about things that can be used again, at least in that, that portion of the GDP, what happens is you have that half, and then you have half of it again as a quarter. And then you have another half, which is an eighth. And when you take half plus a quarter plus an eighth plus a 16th plus a 32nd, and you add it all up, you get one. So the point is, that's where you get that number, is you keep using things again and again, and you do get double. So it isn't a ridiculous thing to say. I'm, I'm fully sold. I mean, even just as you were explaining it, like I'm sitting in my house and there's like a hundred things that have varying degrees of value. And if I'm going to move, I'm going to toss like a 10th of it. And I don't want to have to like free cycle it or list it. So there's a good chance I'm going to toss these and junk it just, just from the, the difficulty of, you know, just the headache of it. But if I, just scanned all of that. The tech got good enough that I just had like a, an inventory of the things that are kind of like from one to 10 things I would be willing to let go of and whatnot. And I was sitting on money and I go to one of these parties as you described, and I can make an extra, you know, 200 bucks on the things in my closet, like game changer. And every single household is, there's just money sitting. Yeah. And thing about, exactly. And the thing is because we generate so much value by finding these trades, we can pay for people to go door to door to get the stuff and bring it where it's supposed to go, right? That if it's the case that people who would give away their furniture, if someone would just come get it, but but meanwhile, the people getting the furniture will pay for it. That money can be used to pay for the truck driver to come get the stuff and bring it to the other place. So yeah, that's the problem. That, that's the long-term vision uh, It's to solve that problem. It's too hard to start with. So we're starting with NFTs, which is very clear and beautiful and clean, and we can work out all the form factor, but we will get to the physical. That's the long-term vision. I love it. And also, I like the way you're being very deliberate in your rollout plan. And it seems smart, too, that, you know, Stacks is kind of in this, uh, you know, the redhead stepchild phase where we're just kind of hiding in the corners and we have our small community, but uh, it's a good breeding ground to test things. Mm-hmm. And the community is so tight knit that everyone is so, so uh, helpful and community oriented. Um, but I see a big potential there for going multi-chain or in a perfect world. And as a gamer, this was like for the longest time I couldn't play Xbox or Halo against someone on PS five versus Halo. Like who's better as a console player. That was like a, a bragging rights thing. And it's like, but if I could trade from ETH to stacks to Solana and it just handles it all on the back end, right. That's, that seems like a beautiful world. So what, what's your guys' plans for multi-chain cross chain? Yeah. So we just finished our pre-seed round. Okay. That's 500,000, which gives us six months of runway. We plan to use the first three months of that to get everything kind of hammered out on stacks. How are we running our parties? This the second layer of AI, where if you've been in a number of parties, now we know what prices you're willing to sell items for. We know what you've bid on. So now we can start to make predictions. We can start to propose trades to you offline. That's really important because you know the parties are fun, but you know, it's kind of it takes time consuming to go to parties. Once you've been to several parties, then that data is in the system. You don't need to come to parties so much. Now we can start to propose trades to you. Right. So that's the AI part of this. Um, so we'll get that all running on stacks. Meanwhile, we'll be doing our fundraising. So we'll open our seed round. We're a little bit up in the air whether we're going to start on June 1st or actually on demo day for stacks. That much 
it's a, it's a little bit, there's some macro, macroeconomic considerations. We would rather be, have it be a little bit later, but we're just having to like figure out when, when do we open our seed round? But we will open it. And the point of the seed money will be to like the end of the pre-seed. And then the, the point of the seed will be to be running multi-chain where when you create a room, you say, all right, this is an Ethereum room. This is a Solana room. This is an avalanche room, whatever. So you specify the, the blockchain you're going to do the trades on. And then people can come in and it'll be all the form factors we figured out on stacks. That'll happen. Okay. Once that's solid, then the next stage is cross-chain where you can bring together different, you can plug in different wallets. As long as your wallet can accept an NFT, then you can bid on it. Okay. That will be very good for stacks when that happens, because you're going to have this, you know, it's a load balancing, right? And so right now, Ethereum is a thousand times bigger than stacks. But once you have these rooms going on and there's cool stacks NFTs in there, you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And that's going to be a big gateway from Ethereum into stacks when that happens. And also from Solana to stacks. That's that, uh, that path. We may have a token at that point that's to be determined. If we do, we'll build it on stacks. Because it might be good to have like one contract you sign that then fires off all the other contracts. So that part we have to figure out. Got um, it. Yeah. Then virtual and physical. Yeah. And when we go physical, it'd be very nice if the currency was city coins. So that if you're doing a trade in Miami, that use Miami coin to settle the trade, right? And that would be kind of beautiful. And maybe you can work out with local authorities that there won't be any tax on this these transactions as long as Miami coin is used. So it could be that you have all of these different jurisdictions where their, their local currency is being used for the exchange of local goods in the secondary market. I... I love the depth of your guys' thinking. I mean, the, the notifications and like, this might be a good trade you might like. That's a super strong like distribution kind of like technique to get people continuing using the product. City coins, like still very early days for that. Who knows where that's going to go for the next coming years. You guys are already kind of thinking about it. So uh, super interesting. I don't have any more questions on the docket and we are going to do a demo, but any anything I missed, I didn't ask that you want to cover. Well, let me see. So as far as um, standing marketplace, you know, that's there's like different levels of this where you can have, yeah, you can have parties and people ask me, okay, what are the different ways in, right? Organized parties, we're throwing parties. We're also partnering with communities where um, like we did an event with African Illustrations a little while ago where it was a Friday night and we got together, we had a little party, we did a trade. It was a lot of fun. It was kind of like a pop-up market, you know? So it was like getting back Think, think about it in a local town. One of the things I love about Web3 is it recreates much of the human experience that was lost by Web2. And Web2, everything is can be duplicated, everything centralized. You know, a lot of the things that make us human got kind of stripped away in Web2. And I think they come back in Web3 because you've got like individual ownership and you have non-fungibility, which is the default state of the world, right? That um, like if you go to a restaurant and you valet park your car and when you come back out, they bring back a car that's the same make and model in year, but it's not your car. It's not good enough. It has to be your car, right? So non-fungibility is what we are used to in the regular world. And we lost that in the early, you know, in web one, web two, that was lost. Now it's coming back with web three. So it means we can live a more human experience in web three, right? Barter was, I mean, that's the way commerce happened like for the longest time. And then money got invented. Okay. And then things got more and more centralized. To some extent, we're going back to basics, but in a better way. So now we now we're going to go back to barter in this very human way, and we do these like pop up markets, right? And so it's very human way to to trade, except we have all the benefits of technology. So everything that was good from the past, we're going to keep it, but we're going to engage with each other in this like you're going to bring together the social 
and the economic ways that humans are used to interacting. So I think that this stuff is super transformative. And it's, I mean, that's, I, I get really excited talking about it because I think it's going to have, it's going to change the way that we live. I'm getting excited listening listen to it. I've actually, I've actually never thought of it like that way either. Is like the, the beautiful thing about communities is the, you know, sense of ownership and there's inherent kind of like boundaries on, on the community you have. Mm-hmm. And web two was web two was just boundless. It was, it was supposed to be just like everything is in the infinite, right? You, lo- you lose everything that makes things human in some sense. And when web three does bring it back, which is, it's interesting because I've seen some people rag on web three because it adds artificial constraints, but I don't know. I haven't thought deep, deep enough about that, but just the way you said that, um, I, I got to catalog that for later. That's super interesting. Yeah. Well, humans have evolved to expect a certain sort of world, right? Our societies are built a certain way in the expectation that the world is going to be a certain way, but our brains have evolved also to expect a certain world. It's not normal to be able to just infinitely duplicate things, right? That's not something our brain is expecting. When we have status and hierarchy and all the things that make us human, how we interact with each other, we're expecting non-fungibility. So it's very important to bring that back. We're expecting scarcity in some sense. So at least some limits, like you said, right? Another thing is it's not normal to know 63 million people or whatever. That's I can't even imagine what it's like to be like Elon Musk or Justin Bieber, where there's no evolutionary precedent for everyone in the world knowing you, right? Like these are all weird things that are now possible. And I think Web3 actually makes life less weird. It returns it more to the way that we're used to. That's perfect way. <laughs> and like we, we judge these these crazy characters with the giant megaphone with the same kind of like moral standards that us plebs have, which is a whole, whole different thing. But uh, yeah. Yeah. no, this is this has been fantastic. I I was already excited about what you guys are building. Now I can't wait to use it. So I think now people listening, now we're going to jump, we're going to pause for a second. We're going to get yeah. John's team together and we're going to yeah. do a, a live demo. Do you want to do it with us? Do you, do you have a hero wallet that's got some NFTs on it you'd like to do, trade? Like I some do. lower value ones? Okay. So we're going to, we're going to cap it at 200 stacks and you could, I would say even lower would be probably better just to make it like mellow trade. So, okay. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and tell me a Kuba and Hans in here. Introduce yourself very quickly, please. Uh, so, uh, I'm Kuba. I'm a CTO at NeoSwap. My background is in uh, physics and I'm mostly data scientist. Uh, yep, that's me. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And uh, Hamza, can we get a quick introduction from you too as well, my friend? Yes, of course, Jacob. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for... Uh, having us here. And uh, so my name is Hamza Diaz. I'm based in Barcelona. My background is in computer engineering and telecommunications. Uh, I work at Agora as a director of technology for now a year and a half. I worked before as a full-stack developer for six years as a freelancer. Also had experience working with uh, Accenture for a couple of years. And uh, basically I go by as a builder. And now at NewSwap, I work as a chief experience officer. So I'll be focusing basically on the experience of the main tool that we're building. And um, and the front end as well, basically. So yeah, thank you. Perfect. Awesome. So Jake's going to do this demo with us. Let me give you the room link. So you'll need to log into your Hero Wallet. You click that. You'll ask you to join the room. Probably it might ask you to connect your wallet. Hey, create my profile. You need to put in a valid email because that's how we notify you the contract's ready to sign. Okay. And like later, when we start to predict trades, that's how you get notified as well. 
feel like I'm entering this this super cool club in town that everyone wants to get into. Awesome. Okay, I think I'm doing the five sixteen Neo Swap demo. Join that room. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing you can do is you can set a budget. So I'm going to go ahead and say that no matter what happens, I don't want to spend more than thirty stacks. I'll, I'll say fifty. Make it a little more fun. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to select NFTs for my wallet, and you can do the same thing. Now, the first time that you have to load NFTs from your wallet, it might take up to a minute because IPFS is um, somewhat slow, as you probably are aware. But um, go ahead and pick. Do you, do you see your NFTs yet? Are they loaded? Yep. Yep. I see them. Okay, great. So pick some NFTs that you want to trade or sell. Uh, shout out to my friend Alex Redlock, who you probably know. Yep. Yeah. Sure yeah I'm okay, cool. So here are 11 items that I'm willing to trade or sell. Now it gets pre-populated with the floor price, okay? Which it pulls off Stacks NFT. And um, shout out to Stacks NFT team. They've really been helpful as well. If you want, you know, if we wanted to just go ahead, if we want to do like a clearinghouse, we can press these buttons and get 50% of the floor, 75, 100. Uh, and okay, so, so, that, yeah. so that button is I can adjust the floor, the reserve price down accordingly? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So then when you're ready, you do save and next. Okay. Okay. So we've all done that. So now there's four of us in the room. So Hamza, are you running this room? Okay, great. So now you're going to be able to see the NFTs that all of us um, have put in the room. And you can pick from these NFTs. And so you can see the, the floor price for comparison. Okay. And so I see the floor price. Then what is the other price that I'm seeing here? You're seeing that the price in green is the asking price. That's the reserve price that someone's willing to sell the item for. Okay. Yeah, there's some nice yeah. stuff in here. Yeah, I'm going to increase my... Um, yeah, I also increased my budget as well. Yeah, that's it's good. Like I'm, I'm going to go up to 100 because there's good stuff in here. Okay. <laughs> the opportunist. Okay, so there we go. So once you have set your bids and increased your... Um, if you want to increase your budget, that's a nice explorer. Then you do save and next. Save it next. Cool. Ooh, someone's thinking. Someone's thinking. And we have a little chat here. So normally we do this with like a Twitter space and some music. So you can say, you know, you GM, GM, or whatever. People yeah. often say, um, this is very common. We're about to see what the. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. So it's uh, running here. It's finding trades. So in a second, we should see a trade. The NeoSwap algorithm. I just know the sound of that. Yeah, there we go. So I got, oh, I got the explorer I wanted. Okay. And 99, well, that's, I'll, I'll take it. That's a, that was a fantastic trade. Oh, I'm digging this. All right. And in a second, we'll see our gift. It's like infinity times better than what's what is currently. Like, imagine the four of us got together with those items. How would we possibly? <laughs> right. And so now we're going to see this and it's like magic. Oh, I love this. Like I had some throwaways and if I were to listen to them, they might've sold, you know, God knows when now uh, I got a nice little chunk of change and uh, this African Amazon NFT, this is dope. Oh, there we go. Okay. So that's the trade we just did. So NeoSwap, you see the way a NeoSwap makes money is it creates actually a lot of value by identifying these good trades and then it's able to absorb some of that value. So you may not even have noticed, like for me, this is a great trade. For all of us, it's a great trade. There's money going around. NeoSwap can capture some of it, and it's still a good trade for everybody. So it's able to passively make money on these trades. This is Pretty so, cool, huh? So interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at I'm looking at Hamza's. He he sent off a bunch of NFTs and then only received 
a crash punk that that and and that's that's his deal yeah so he really wanted this crash punk right and so he gave up african amazon and some money this uh woman power nft and this um what is this the um uh afro sisters afro sisters yeah mandy sisters i think right so but for him that's a good deal he really wanted this and so he gave up some things he wanted less and some money and that's great for me this was super because i I mean, I, I'm over the moon. Like, I really wanted that Explorer and I really wanted this. I got them both and I got more. And I stayed under my budget. My budget was 100. I spent 99. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really magical. Yeah, this is perfect. Yeah, I, I got rid of some throwaway NFTs and I got 136 stacks and a new one I'd never even seen the artwork before. So, yeah. Amazing. So, this is a great way to discover new collections. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, now, what's going to happen is Hums is going to push a button and it's going to, uh, write the smart contract and then we will be able to sign it in a few minutes that's awesome and so is that is that one of the current limitations is that you have to drop the contract at each party time so it's not like fully automated yeah well i mean you get this sort of thing where um sometimes you have apps that ask for wallet access right because you can imagine that another world will be you get wallet access before the trade goes and we just agree that we're going to do whatever trade comes up. That's oftentimes where scams happen. So we would rather not have that. We like the control of, we wait till everybody agrees to the trade, then we write the contract and you sign it. Now, the way that stacks right now, so every 10 minutes, you have a chance to deploy a contract basically. So there is a delay right now. Hyperchains will fix that. That what, assuming that hyperchains are as good as they're described, and I have no reason to doubt that they won't be, it'll be more like Solana where, with hyperchain, as soon as we're done, we'll be able to just agree. And then eventually it'll get written to the stacks blockchain. So, all right, well, that's, um, that's it for the demo and maybe we can wrap it up. Perfect, man. You guys thought about everything. <laughs> Your team doesn't miss. Yeah. Uh, talented, yeah. I'm, I'm curious for you guys, Hamza or, or Kubo, what are you guys most excited about w- with what you guys have been, been building and, and just like Neo barter future? Yeah. Yeah. For me. So, uh, the most exciting part about NeoSwap is how it engages between communities. Like what we've seen so far is we've done one trade with uh, uh, African illustrators. And the, the amazing thing about it is that people are just so happy. They're jo- doing jokes. Uh, they're talking with each other. Um, they're more like engaged. Right now, the crypto world seems to be a bit dark because everyone is like on their own. There's Discord, of course, but NeoBarter seems to be like a, some sort of social media something pretty brand new because there's nothing like this also. So this is also another exciting part about NeoSwap. It's just a new technology. But there's also this this missing piece, which is like social engagement and then like the party behind it. So uh, mm-hmm. this is the most uh, coolest part about NeoSwap. And of course, the technology. This is like uh, something that for me, uh, it's incredible. Like I've never seen something like this. And there's nothing like this, even on Ethereum, even on Solana, many other blockchain. So um, I'm really happy to be part of this project. Love it. Yeah. No, it definitely, it was fun training with you guys right now. So I, I, that committee asked Yeah, wasn't well, it surprisingly fun? Like it, it was. Yeah. 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 That, you know, think about it historically. The market is where the fairs were, right? That like the, the market was at the center of town, the farmer's market, the artist's market, whatever. And that's where the fairs would be. That's where you'd have the, you know, town festivals, whatever, the parades, all the social activity. There's a big, historically a big overlap between the, economic and the social 
And that has gone away to a large extent. And I think it's, it's one of the reasons why people feel isolated. And I think one of the things that's exciting about Web3 is you can bring it back together. And this neo-barter is a really perfect way to do it. I love that. I think that's yeah. a that's a perfect way to end it, I think. Let's get Kuba's thing, because Kuba's Polish, so it's a little bit harder to get him excited. But if you... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what you got, Kuba? Yeah, for me, what's most exciting is, as Hamza already said, that it's something completely new. It's not only that it's not in Solana, it's not in Ethereum. It's never, nowhere in the world. Like it's really complete, completely new field. And uh, yeah, we're creating new economy here. Love it. Yeah, it's. I think we've ever been so connected and also felt so disconnected. So I think mm-hmm. although you guys are handling the issue of trading, you might end up helping bring people together in some fashion too through, the, through these parties because there is something different about what you guys are building. I mean, it took less than 10 minutes and it, it did feel like a party, and but I also get to walk away feeling better off than when I left. Like it's it's a perfect combination. Yeah. One of the underappreciated aspects of capitalism, and Voltaire talks about this in his letters to England, letters from England, sorry, is capitalism breeds tolerance because when people have to work together, for everybody to benefit, they're willing to overlook a lot of differences. And communism leads to people competing for state resources, and it actually leads to factions forming. And I think the more you have socialism, the more you have people fighting for the resources versus working together to create. And I think that what's nice about these neo-squat parties is very cooperative, that we're all bringing our resources together and we're going to rearrange them in a way that benefits everyone. And so I think it does promote that spirit of tolerance and community in in a healthy way. John, I could listen to you wax poetically for hours. Uh, thank you. Thank you for this interview. Thank you for what you guys are building. Uh, where can people go if they want to find out more about NeoSwap? Yeah. Well, the first thing would be to follow NeoSwap on Twitter, which is NeoSwap underscore AI. That's where you'll find out our announcements for our parties. And then you can find, um, so you, once you find NeoSwap, it won't be hard to find me and Hamza Kuba on Twitter. Um, I think we have a Discord channel that people can join, but I would say start by following you know, swap, come to a party and, uh, you know, engage with us. You can get an invitation to the Discord channel. Um, and, uh, yeah, we look, look forward to you, you know, being part of this revolution with us. Sweet. And if you're hearing this, at least for the time being, you guys have been dropping a few parties a day, like four or five a day. So follow their Twitter uh, and just check the top of the hours. They're, they're typically doing something fun around those times. So, yeah, so 7, 7 a.m., 10 a.m. 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern, all times Eastern. Those are, we're doing our parties and we're doing some scheduled events with communities. We have the bot coming with Discord. There's going to be a lot of ways to participate. Perfect. Well, I'm excited for the future. Uh, John, Hamza, Kuba, thank you for coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right. Yeah, waiting. I've been waiting now. I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out. Make it out, cause I don't think about.